Yassis, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. This morning, I'm joined by Lefkothia from White Pebble Suites on the beautiful island of Milos. Uh, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Sandy? I'm, I'm, I'm well. I'm wet. It's raining. Is it raining down in... You're in Sydney, right? Yep. Actually, I went for a walk and it's beautiful at the moment. Oh, well, that's a nice change. I'm sure rain's coming, though. Oh, I'm so sick of it. Bring, take me back to those clear, sunny days in Greece. Um, Please. <laughs> I know. Oh, not too long now. We're, I'm going. I'm back again in um, in uh, probably April, actually. So um, I'll be looking forward to some spring spring flowers and and clear days. Actually, it's quite beautiful being on the islands in spring. Yeah, with all the flowers. Yeah. it is actually beautiful. Yeah, I think people f- forget that that's a real draw card actually and you don't have to always be swimming in the ocean which we'll get to in a minute because of course yeah. Milos is one of the best places I think in the whole of Greece to to go to the beach. Um, Lefka Theory, you you and two of your fr- best friends I assume, yeah. uh, two other Australian ladies got together and came up with this crazy idea <laughs> to open a, ho- yeah. a hotel on, on Milos. Tell me a bit about how that came to fruition. Who came up with this idea? Well, we all came up with the idea, I think. Well, we all like to think we came up with it individually. Yeah. And then my husband thinks he had the idea. But it sort of evolved and it sort of came about because many years ago I used to work for Olympic Airways Mm -hmm. and I would often ask the crew, what is your favourite island? And often enough I'd hear of Milos. Oh. But it was like Greece's best kept secret until Instagram discovered Sarakiniko and Kleptiko. And yeah. Yeah. from there I sort of had this longing to go and see this island. I went and saw it in 2014 mm-hmm. with my husband and then returned with the girls, I think it was 2017. We were um, sailing the islands and we were discussing how there's limited accommodation on the island, five-star accommodation, how there's an airport, how there's ferry service, and why isn't there enough five-star accommodation. So somehow the idea was born there. Whose idea it was, I think I'll just (laughs) safely say it was all our idea. Oh, well, it sounds like a great collaboration then. Yes, and 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 so what happened next? I guess you came back from Milos and started doing a bit of research. Well, I think we started research almost immediately, um, and everyone has a different way of researching. Aphrodite loves to read articles. Helen loves data and how many people are coming in on the island, how many are exiting. Yeah, right. And what the statistics are, and with me, just this gut feeling that it's going to work. Yeah. There's an airport, there's uh, Instagram, there's ferries, and there's no accommodation. So that's logic for me. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, you're obviously onto a winner. It's been clearly successful, but I think you're right. We were there in, I'm trying to think, um, 20, I think 2016 and then 2018. And we stayed in uh, Polonia. 
at a place that was brand new called Unique Sweets. So you've probably seen them. There's three little sugar cube buildings on on the beach with the red door, yes. the red doors. Yes, but they were brand new, and I think we were like the first customer that um, Stavros had. And we had a great stay, but we made the same comment that there really weren't that many places. Um, and sadly, I've, I have to tell you, I've made the comment in my group that I think Milos is going to be the next Santorini. I agree. Which is probably a bad thing and maybe we should be keeping it to ourselves. But, you know, it's got very similar topography, very similar geology, um, and all the wonders of Santorini, really, uh, without the cruise ships and the crowds and some of the things that have gone maybe not so well there. Um, but the good news, I think, on on Milos is that development is slow. And um, even in peak periods, there still aren't that many places to stay, right? So it can't get that crowded because it just reaches capacity. It does. So tell me about then the process of, um, I guess you found the land first? Well, in the same year, um, Helen was able to return after a month of being in Sydney and she met Thomae, who's a tra- local travel, a- uh, local real estate agent on the island and connected with her. We also had our civil engineer go, who's a friend of my cousin's and he was the person we were going to give the job to building it. So Helen and Buddies, our civil engineer, went to Milos, met up with Thomae, basically looked at land. We wanted Bologna, which was the popular fishing village and a great location yep. to have yep. a boutique hotel. It's very limited what you can find on the water. And we were lucky that within a year we secured land on the water. So what was the process like purchasing the land? Was there a lot of red a lot of red yeah. tape? <laughs> Definitely. There was capital control with the banks. We had to go to the Greek consulate numerous times. We had to translate a lot of um, paperwork. We had to prove that the money was legal money. It took a whole year to open a bank account. We were lucky that the owner of the land waited for us to purchase, but the the bureaucracy of purchasing and opening up the bank account was the hardest. The plans, passing them through council in Milos was fantastic. Oh, great. It was really good. We were within the we, – we designed it with the cyclonics in mind. So we weren't going in with any modern monstrosity. And they loved the design and it was it was really effortless in Milos um, getting through the plans through, which was great. We had a great experience with that. Did you use an architect in Athens? Yes. Or, yeah? Yes. Yeah. We found our architect on Instagram. Oh, right. <laughs> so basically we hashtagged Greek architect and yeah. found a few that we liked. Um, Gaterina and Marina are the owners of KKMK and we met up with Gaterina numerous times. She was very organised. She couldn't believe that we had found her on Instagram and then realised that she needed to work on her Instagram a bit more. We were her first uh, job, really, in her new company and 
she really fought to have this job and we're really happy with the outcome. Fantastic. Had she done a project prior that you'd really admired? Is that is that Yeah, what- she had uh, some renders of something that she'd done in that something that she had created in Mykonos, but I don't think it ever was built. Right. Okay. So that sort of resembled something that we were looking at. Right. It, was, it sounds like perfect timing. You got somebody that probably wasn't too busy. Um, or too, you know, affected and, and it was had perfect the, the enthusiasm that matched your own. All their passion went into this project. Fantastic. Okay. I think everyone that walks in comments on the curves. Yeah. The building, the colour of the building, it's like a soft, sandy colour. Yeah. And I think the curves, the curves have, have caused the commotion. Yeah, I guess I guess people are used to the sugar cubes, uh, very um, obviously very square. Uh, curves are big though now. Curves are back in fashion, and um, I'm actually an interior designer by by trade. And my husband John is a builder, and we're building a house of our own right now. And um, curves are curves are big. We've got a curved kitchen and curved pool and a cur- curved. All sorts of things. So it's great to see those organic shapes. And I think that fits in really well with the Greek islands because things are not square um, in nature anyway. And certainly those dramatic rock formations that you see um, around islands like Milos are uh, certainly not not square either. Yes. Um, Okay. So what about then the construction of the hotel? I mean, we hear sort of over the years we've heard all sorts of horror stories of tradesmen and – Turning up and not turning up and how how did it all go? I feel like we were blessed. We built the hotel uh, mainly through COVID and we were lucky that we could leave in 2020 for two months and have a look at where we were at and make some decisions. Yeah. But I have to say we're lucky that Buddy and Katerina and Marina worked together and built this without us being around. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. And, I mean, that's what a good architect should do. But We're also lucky because I think uh, the builders were exiting the, the hotel as the guests were entering the hotel. So we didn't have time to see if there was any teething problems with the building. We were very lucky. Yeah, few, no, no real defects. No. Okay. Fant- no. Fantastic. So how long did it take all up to build? Two and a half years. Yeah, right. But but probably slower than normal because of COVID, as you, as you said. Well, mate, yes, COVID, the weather, and another factor that I suppose you have to think about is you can't build while tourists are on the island, especially right. where yeah. we were. We were between two hotels. So yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of noise. So we don't build between June and end of October. Yeah, which is, um, which is actually... By law, is that a bylaw of the local government? I've heard that it's law, but I think it's more respect. Yeah, right. Because it certainly is law on some some islands, but I'm not yes. sure about all of them. Um, and as you say, how closely that's followed and how much respect you'd have. Um, people are often quite surprised when I tell them that the islands aren't open year round, and of course. The, yes. weather, the weather plays a big part in that, but I often say to them, "This is the, the off season is when the owners have to look at their hotels and work out what renovations or improvements they may need to make and do maintenance. And of course, 
I know whenever we've been there, you know, you love to go around Easter time because you can smell paint, fresh paint oh, everywhere. And that, and that, and the, you know, just the vibe in the air that things are about to open and everybody's excited. And, um, it's, I think it's a better time than at the end of the season when people are exhausted and well, uh, <laughs> looking forward to, to, to going home. Well, Easter is. We we went Easter um, 19, 2019, and the traditions, some of the restaurants are open, there is accommodation and it is fresh and it's full of flowers and you know that summer's coming, so it is beautiful. You know, going back to your point of why the islands are only open for, you know, X amount of time, there's the other factor of staff. They can't work more than seven months. Exactly. Lots of them come from Athens, so they want to go back home. And they've often not had a day off in that whole seven months. Um, and I know on some islands are not living in terribly great living, you know, conditions anymore, given that half the rooms have been turned into Airbnbs. Well, that's a problem for everyone, I think. That's a general problem in tour- tourism on every island, mm. and it's very hard sourcing accommodation sometimes they have to share because there's nothing you can do yeah i have an article um i wrote very passionately actually at the beginning of this year about whether you should rent an airbnb or a hotel in greece um if you ever get a chance to have a look at it i also did a podcast episode um referencing that article and i interviewed a friend of mine who owns a hotel on paros in nausa and yeah. we talked about all the things that you miss out on. You know, I just, I, I think that Airbnb has a place and we've even stayed in them ourselves in Greece. If we've been somewhere for an extended period or we've had a large group. Um, but I think the Greek hotel experience and the small hotels are unique and, and you get that, uh, philotimo, right? The, the, you miss out on all of that. If you're in, or if you're in a self-catering house or apartment, you have to do your own cleaning, your own cooking. And you miss out on what I always point out, I think is a big advantage is the Greek hotel breakfast, um, mm. which has to be one of the best breakfasts in the world. I mean, it's like you're all having a competition to see who can have the most lavish, sumptuous breakfast. Um, but that's something that I think a lot of people really appreciate when they stay in a in a Greek hotel. We have the best breakfast ever. Have you seen our Instagram? No. Well, yes, I have, but I can't say I I looked at the breakfast too closely. Yeah, no. All, but if you look at the stories, amazing. if you look at the stories, I think every second day where there's a, someone posting our breakfast, it comes in a big basket and on beautiful plates that we um, had found from a pottery place in Athens. Right. And it is most Instagram meal, I think, at the hotel. Wow. I'll, I'll definitely have a look. You're not floating it out on the swimming pools like they do in, in Bali? No, no. <laughs> and going back to your other, the whole Airbnb and hotel, I agree totally because I think that our staff have have created relationships with um a connection, I should say, with the guests, so much so that they want to come back and they do come back. Yeah, I do. I, I think it's amazing when you see your guests. We meet them. We go in every day and meet them and chat with them and often enough we hear how wonderful everyone is and how much 
say, you know, with, when it comes to restaurants or going around on the island on a boat or finding them uh, lounge chairs at a beach. Yeah. The staff go exactly. above beyond. Yeah. Getting them that uh, the taxi or or yeah. or the the hotel or getting a table at Oh Hamas, right? Um, oh no, yeah, <laughs> you have to queue up. Even we do. I know. The first time we went there, we didn't queue up at all. But the second time, you know, we oh, waited. Yes. We waited a while. Um, word got around. Just going back to um, that discussion, we would, I talked to Chris in Paros about. Uh, we had our 50th birthdays in at her hotel and there was 34 of us and she drove us in her own car to the restaurant because we couldn't get enough taxis you know it's things like that that you just you just miss and we talked about so many other things i mean in covid getting uh covid tests to come to the hotel uh, driving down to the port with somebody's iPad or phone charger or, you know, all the things that they leave behind. And, and she's just gone over and above, as I'm sure you guys do too, um, in so many ways um, that I think really makes a person's experience so much better and, yes. and really experiencing that Greek hospitality, which is really, it is world-renowned for good reason. Let's talk about um, the hotel then. What I mean, it's a beautiful – I've only obviously seen it online. I haven't had a chance to get back to Milos since it opened. Um, tell me about the hotel. How many How many guests can you have? We can have 28. Okay, yes. so it's pretty pretty intimate? Yes. Lovely. Perfect. And I know you've got a fantastic pool which has beautiful views of, of, the, of the ocean. How far is it? into Polonia itself if you were walking? Oh, it's a five-minute walk. Okay, very close. And any other amenities? Uh, eight of the suites have their own individual plunge pool. Oh, wow. And the other four have a lovely balcony. They all have a view. We are right on the water over, and we have a view of Gimelos Island. We've got a bar, a pool bar. Spa, boutique. We have an all day menu which is curated by a chef so that you can have an intimate dinner in your room, you can have an intimate dinner by the pool on the pebbles overlooking the water. Fantastic. Sounds like a, the perfect honeymoon destination. It is adults it is. only. We do accept kids during COVID, we've accepted kids over the age of 10, and it's actually worked quite well. Okay. Considering these honeymooners, it, it seems to be that parents with their kids are out all day. Yeah. And at the hotel in the afternoon for a swim in the pool. But it's still quite a private hotel. Wonderful. Can you access the water there to swim in the ocean? Yes. Yeah. And it's absolutely wow. beautiful. Well, that's that's a, a big bonus. Sandy, there's a small sandy area below us that you walk down and you can get into the water or, or there's steps off the rocks that you can Perfect, because that actually does come up in water. my Facebook group quite a bit. A lot of people are looking for that waterfront hotel experience and there's not many. But it's very private. It's not like a bench yeah. in front of you with 100 people. It's like it's very secluded Perfect. with very I think few I've, people. I know where I'll be staying on our, ne on our next visit. We look forward to it. Lefkathia. Let's talk a little bit more about 
Milos, I mean, where do you start? I just think it truly is one of the most extraordinary destinations, and I know you're well aware of that. But people don't understand. I saw somebody post in another group just this morning, what's the big deal? Why is everybody going to Milos all of a sudden? I don't know if it is that sudden. I think it's been a good sort of six or seven years that the buzz has been growing. Um, but there's no other island like it. I mean, the colours, I, I talk about the colours of Milos, the geology uh, from the mining and going down there to, what's that beach right at the, uh, Palio Hora? Palio Hori. And yeah. standing on that beach, I've got a photo with a bunch of pebbles in my hand and there's about 20 colours of pebbles, you know, black, red, white, yellow, and all the variations in between. And you look around at the cliffs at that beach and you see those colours just, you know, all around in the cliff, in the cliffs themselves. And I, I've not seen really much anything like that anywhere else in Greece. Uh, then you've got Sarakaniko Beach, of course, that lunar ans- landscape like being on the moon. It's amazing. I mean, there's there's parts of some islands that are slightly like that, um, but not at that scale, you know, where you look in every direction as far as you can see and that's all you can can see. I think there's 73 beaches on Milos. There's so many and I think we're constantly discovering new beaches and new like even a beach that we may have been to, we have going to so many beaches and discovering one day that if you go around the corner, there's There's another one. Yeah. There's a cave with sand and a whole lot of people down there. I did a little bit more investigating this year, or we all did actually, and we just keep finding more and more. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favourite or are you willing willing Uh, to share? (laughs) You know what? I really like Midagas Beach. It's where all the little boathouses, you know, the painted boathouses yep. uh-huh. are, and it's a, probably a ten, five to ten-minute drive from Bologna, and it's quite private. There's not that many people that go to it, and the water's deep enough for me. One of my other favourites to go to is Palio Hori, I think when I'm on a boat, because that's that's what I recommend most, or we all recommend that you need to spend one day on your trip to Milos going around the island on the boat. Yeah, completely and discovering agree. beaches. Yeah. There's Yeracas, it's Singrado, the one with the, that you climb down the stairs. The ladder. To get to, yeah, yeah the yeah. ladder, sorry. Yeah. And I'm thinking Greek, not English at the <laughs> I'm translating from Greek to English, so. You're doing very well. Yeah, so I think going on a boat and you discover lots more caves, bays, crystal turquoise waters. You go to Poleos, which is an uninhabited island across from Milos, and the waters there are superb. That's the island up near Kimolos? Kimolos. You go to Kimolos. Like I spent a day, we went on um, excellent yachting, and we did a private tour and we went to Gimolos for late lunch, I should say, early dinner. After we'd gone right round Milos, went to Boleros, went to the best beaches of Boleros, and then we ended up in Gimolos and had the best meal on the water. 
and came back to Bologna at 8pm. We started at 10am and it was an amazing day. Yeah, I've only done the boat. We've done the boat trip around to Kleftico, um, which is also extraordinary and probably um, the thing I recommend you do the most. Uh, but we haven't done the one around the northern side because the Meltemi, of course, was blowing yes. <laughs> the day we were there um, or the, the day that we were going out on the water. But still, uh, when that happens, the boat trips in the south still run. So it, it's still possible to go and see uh, those. They're superb. Azure water and those yes. sea caves and it's just Absolutely stunning. You mentioned the fishing villages. So there's three, right? Klima, Mandrakia, and the other one. Starts with F, sounds like hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. That's it, yes. Okay, they are, yes, that's where the majority of boathouses are. There's another one, Skinopi. There's a few more, I'd say. Uh Uh-huh. And but they're the three major ones, and they're beautiful. The waters are beautiful. They're very pretty. That Mitakas is like that as well, but just a small and one. and unique, right? I mean, every now and then you see a couple of little fishing huts around Greece, similar, but you don't see entire villages or bays lined with, with them yeah. like that. Boat houses that yeah. are all coloured in different colours, and that's where they used to keep their boats. And now a lot of them are Airbnb accommodation. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do see that, and I do recommend a couple because I think it is a fun place to stay. Uh, if you're prepared to drive and you, you know, of course, I think only Mandarakia has the one, the one taverna, uh, Medusa. Yes. Um, but the others don't really have much at all. So they're a bit isolated, but still for some people, it's a, it's a nice experience. But yeah, I think again, this is what makes Milos stand out. Those fishing villages are, are very unique, very pretty. And uh, picture postcard, Instagram worthy, all of those things. Um, and then you've got what else have you got? We've got there's a winery. We went to the winery in uh, yes. Polonia, which is very good. Yes. Uh, you've got the the old town of Plaka, the uh, the tombs, the catacomb, the catacombs, catacombs. Yeah. Um, we went to the mining museum, which you know I had to drag John in, thinking it would be so boring, and he was just fascinated like that it's a small museum but there is a lot to learn and um a very very interesting history uh behind milos that again is not the same as the other islands are there any other things that you love to do that um look i i think we all have really enjoyed meeting the locals yeah and to be able to assimilate into the local culture. There's a lot of Greek festivals that we probably got to experience this year mm-hmm. now that COVID. Were you there uh, for Panayuri for uh, August 15? Yes, we yeah. were, yeah. and it was it was just beautiful. And there was one in Bologna for um, Aya Paraskevi, and we turned up after 12 o'clock. We had a meal in Ramadan, turned up later. And we were dancing so much. It was so much fun. So I think the Greek festivals, the culture, that that's probably meeting people. I think on in Milos you still meet Greeks that really want to connect with the tourists. Yeah. Where it's not just business there. They really enjoy connecting with people. Yeah, we found that too. Um 
I tell you one of my favourite spots that we discovered, although I don't think it's a huge secret anymore, that dessert shop as you drive into Polonia, oh. the Ark of Flavours. I can't remember the Greek uh, yes, Kivotos Don Yefsion, and it, it it has the best galactoborico in the whole world. Oh, and the chocolate pie. Oh, We've my bought goodness. the chocolate pie back to Australia, <laughs> oh. and that isn't a joke. That's a true story. Oh, good. Okay. Well, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have even made it to the airport with me. It would have been gone <laughs> for sure. So, um, that's an extraordinary shop. I I don't know who who is doing all that baking, but um, that's an enormous amount of food um, coming out of there every day, and it's so delicious. Well, not only that, she um, creates her own jams, yeah, and creates her own uh, face creams. Oh, wow. Body creams right. from beeswax because that's what she used to do. What do you call them? A beekeeper? No. Yeah, yeah, beekeeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what she ah, did. Interesting. So she spends the whole of the winter creating her own jams, her own creams, right. and has them there oh. for sale in May. Well, at the risk of, of digressing, I, I think Greece has got some of the best beauty and skin products out there. I was there last – this year I stocked up on a lot, but I discovered a brand called Apivita. Yes. And that's all about the bees. In fact, I believe Apivita is Latin for the life of the bee. Okay. So it's all based on on those products as well, and it's beautiful, beautiful stuff that's very expensive outside Greece. So uh, next time you're there, grab some of their royal jelly cream because it's okay. very good. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I thank you so much for the time you've given us uh, already. I guess just on a parting note, apart from Milos, which we've already praised and could probably talk about for hours and hours, is there anywhere else in Greece that you particularly love? Where 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 else do you try to go? Where do I start? <laughs> I know, I know. I How could long just a give you a list. I, I, I love Athens. I love the gastronomic scene at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's such a vibe. I know. I love that you've got the museums and the ancient sites and that you can meander through Athens and old meets new. I love where my parents come from, which is Yanina, which is up northwest. Oh, yes, I've been I, there. Yeah. And the mountains and yeah. and the farm-to-table food that you get there. I love Gastelorizor, which is far, far, far away from the rest of us. But it's an amazing little island that I've been to numerous times. Love Sifnos, love Baros. Yeah, it's hard to find a bad, bad part of Greece. It really is. And Evia, where the other where Aphrodite and Helena from? They're sisters, by the way. I don't know if you knew oh, that. No, I did not. And where yeah. are they from? Evia, one of the biggest islands. Yeah, of, second um, second biggest yeah. island, and no nobody knows about it. I mean, people go there, but I think all the locals do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Europeans do. Um, yes. I'm hoping to get there. We're we're planning a trip. A big, another big trip next year, a couple of them. But I think the Peleon this time will be getting most of our attention. Okay. And, um, and, and therefore a little bit of maybe Evia as well. Well, Beautiful. thank you so much for your time. 
I I hope to be there again. Um, I'll definitely be. We hope to see you. I'll definitely be letting you know uh, when we come. But for um, for listeners, uh, head over to the Greece Travel Secrets website. You'll find uh, I have a page on Milos, which has a number of articles, including where to stay in Milos. And in that article, naturally, you will find um, White Pebble Sweets, which I do feature and recommend highly. And thank you again, Left Gothia, for joining me again. Thank this you, Sandy. Thank it you. was a pleasure. No problem. Yasis. Bye.